Welcome to Say That, the podcast for your big questions to get real answers. My name is Matt King. I'm your host here in the city of Chicago, and joining me here is Glenn Fitzgerald, the founder of Mission USA. Fashion update, fanny packs are coming back. That's a, that is a legitimately bold fashion statement. Triumphant return of the fanny pack. Okay. Wow. I won't be participating in that, but they're making a big comeback. You're calling it? Yeah. Or as our friends in Britain delightfully call it, I believe it's true, a bum bag. Really? I've heard that. Also, I think there are parts of the world that listen to this podcast and love it that would really not want yep. us to call it a... Yes, our friends in the Commonwealth. Not yeah. Nuts about it. So, it's... Uh, I was trying to gloss right over that. <laughs> <laughs> well, uh, it's it's a pack, you see. Mm. No. And, also uh, joining us, <laughs> Jed Brewer, the director of Mission USA Productions. Greetings. It's yeah, that's about right. We are once again leeless. We're a leeless ship here. Yeah, he is still at Young Life Camp uh, doing the good work with the children. Yeah, and uh, we are very much not. Yeah, but uh, we do have exciting news. Ooh, we and by we I mean Glenn. But uh, I'm taking credit for it because sure. sure, why not? It's the internet. It's how we do things. You know. Yeah. yeah. Um, you may have noticed in previous uh, years that uh, the old Uncle Glenn blog had a quote. But the story of the prodigal son, they got quite a little bit of movement. Mm-hmm. Mm. You know, went around. You probably saw it on Tumblr. Went around a lot there. We we may mention at the time that it happened a couple of years ago that a, a Christian radio station kind of put it over a photo and didn't link it to us or give us any credit and put their logo <laughs> on it. And uh, that got shared like a hundred thousand times on Facebook, and uh, it's made a reappearance. Indeed, in the admittedly un not what we would have guessed arena. Right. Of the Instagram of Ariana Huffington. That's true. HuffPost founder and uh, gadabout. Yes. A quote about, from old Uncle Glenn. Right. Explicitly about the prodigal son. Right. Right there on the Instagram. You know, and if I remember right from what you were saying, it was a graphic that we had not generated. Yeah, yeah and, was... and a different one from the Christian radio one. Right, yeah, so right. We presume it's something that somebody else grabbed the quote and put it over and her people found it. and So. Right. Wacky stuff. That's pretty cool. cool. You're pretty big deal, bro. I completely agree with that. Yeah. Yeah, I'm a big deal now. All right. Well, on that basis, I have to declare an emergency. Okay. Because oh. we mentioned last week that when people are big deals in Christianity, there are things that come with that. Sure, absolutely. Maybe if you're a pastor on the West Coast, that's a sports car that you right. creepily cannot not mention until the entire backstory of Glenn. Right. And he's in your parking lot. Apparently, if you get to a certain level... And your hair becomes so sprayed that it's like a gladiator's helmet. Yeah. You get a jet. Well, right. in that guy's case, you get your fifth jet. Right. So here's what I'm wondering is where does viral quote several times over mentioned by the entirely secular founder of HuffPost, um, how, where, what do we get? Well, um, I'm not sure you guys get anything. Clearly so that's, not. That's thing number one. Thing number two is I'm a big deal now. Right. Okay. Yep. Um, numbers matter. Yes. Numbers oh. matter a whole lot. Do they? Is this like a carnival? <laughs> like, the, do you have attention tickets that you can <laughs> cash in for yeah. certain cash prizes? That's right. It, it's it's like the 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 the, the little what do you call it? Skee ball, and you get exactly. the tickets. Exactly. Tickets. Same, same deal. Um, uh, I, I'm sort of now part of the sort of the elite. Okay. You know, and. Uh, 
and that puts me on a higher level. Sure, than, that is than, what elite means. Yeah. So, because uh, a lot of people talk about elites. Well, I'm, that's me now. Okay. Sure. And so uh, that means uh, it, it, what it is, is it's kind of like um, we all know each other. Right. Oh. And it's all like, uh, you know, it's like a club right. that you're in. Right. And then and, and you guys aren't. Right. Uh, but I will still think fondly of you. Sure, sure. Did you ever think fondly of us in the first place? Not really. But that's the kind of thing you have to lie about now that you're an elite. Exactly. I, I look back fondly on the little people yes. that were involved in the operation. Now, I think just he's to, talking about us. Just yeah. to clarify, uh, Galveston Bay, right, where you grew up in yeah, Texas. Yeah, the Galveston area. Yeah. yeah. Is, is that the east coast or the west coast of Texas? That's the, well, it's sort of southeast, yeah. Well, therefore, you are east now coast an, elite. an east coast <laughs> yeah, elite. Yeah, that's, that's exactly that's right. right. <laughs> that's exactly right. That's that's okay. Are they building your ivory tower right now? Yeah. Is construction underway? Right. Here, here's the thing. Because elephants are endangered, Glenn. How dare you, sir? Uh, right. I don't, I don't think it's a literal tower made of ivory. That's how I've always envisioned it. Well, <laughs> you were very disappointed when you got to college, weren't you? You know, this, where are all the ivory towers I've been hearing about? This actually happened to me. There was a uh, we were talking last uh, episode about uh, a dude who wanted money for a jet. Yes, uh, and he was saying that God wanted him to have it, so give him the money. Sure, which is a cool racket if you can make it work. But um, absolutely, not just a jet. He had a jet. He needed a better yeah. jet. That's right. I was preaching in a certain particular part of the world, and I was talking about all these uh, pastors and in the that some of them are really interested in the money, and that's right. what's going on. And um, you know, you uh, th- that we were looking at, we we're visiting churches to uh, see uh, whether or not we wanted them to participate with us in our bridge program, and that there was one particular church that we walked up to. And there was a spot that was reserved for the pastor, and it was like it, it was sort of off of the parking lot to where there was no other place for a car to park. It was just one spot that right. only one car could fit in, reserved for the pastor. And there was a, it, I wanted, it was a Cadillac. And I, I want to say it was fancy, but I think we tipped over into gaudy. Okay. okay. Ah. And um, it was parked. In that in the spot. pastor spot, and we had to kind of shimmy around it to get in the door where <laughs> right. we needed to go. <laughs> you literally couldn't get into the building. That's right, without walking by pastor's catalog. And, yeah, and we're sort of shimmying in sideways. And I said, "Wait, stop! Shimmy the other way. Yeah. This is we're out. I'm yeah. out." <laughs> yeah, and and literally reverse shimmy. Yeah, we had an appointment. And we just literally didn't go in. It was just like yeah, you know, we we know everything we need to know from this, right? So I tell this story, and a gal came up to me afterwards and said. We just bought our pastor a Cadillac, so what do you think of that? I think it's a dumb idea. I think, I think it's time for me to shimmy on out of here. Well, here's what my response was. Well, if you're handing out Cadillacs, make mine red. Sure. And she's like, well, but that was... I said, actually, I've been in ministry longer than your pastor has. I've done more in this community than your pastor has. You're at my thing listening to me talk, so I'm the one ministering to you. On what basis does he get a Cadillac and I don't? How does that work? And there was a, a, a coughing noises, and then she ran away. Yes. Uh, but uh, now that I'm an elite, yes, I you've think, seen the error of that thinking. Yeah, I, 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 I'm ready to receive my Cadillac. Okay. Okay. Well, 
a fine Cadillac Eldorado. Ooh, I think that's I think that's what we've got coming. Sort of a, a like a this the wire spoke. That's right. Yep. Rims. That's right. There. You've got it exactly. That's a classy way to do it. Yeah. You know. That's right. In uh, tinted windows, yep. so of course, people can't see what's going on. Yes, because they would probably mob me. Yes, thing actual megachurch pastors have said to me directly, personally, face to face in a private conversation. Yes, so uh, I have to protect myself from being mobbed now. So now it needs to be an armor plated Cadillac. That well, okay, now you're getting it bulletproof glass. Yes, uh, up armored, ar- up armored. Like yes. You're the head of the EPA. You got to have that uh, underneath it for in case you sure. get those. Uh, the IEDs. Call, I was going to say IEDs, but I think that's, that's different, not right? Uh, but uh, <laughs> you, you, you get in case there's a an explosion, know, right? Here it's got to be convex so it can, uh, you know, with the air, like the MRAPs. So okay, yes. So you guys get it, yes. That's what we need to hook that up. Do you get a security detail? Possibly. Okay. Are they? Because there's a few different ways to do this. Are they outside of the car, running alongside the car? Yeah, you know they are. Because that's pretty cool. It's pretty yeah. good. Yeah. I mean... You have to have the mirrored sunglasses and the little microphones that's in your sleeve. You have yes. to talk into your sleeve. So you of. got like four of them. Mm-hmm. Now, I'm assuming in the car, though, you've got two more. You've got like the right. big dude. Yes. And I mean, he's, he's big. Right. 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 He's right. just, you know... And then you've got the little dude. Yeah. And like, he's just intense. He's like ex-Massad. That is exactly right. right. Exactly right. Yes. Yeah. So, yeah. That's, that's, what, that's what I'm dialing up. So okay, cool. here, here's my concern. Yeah. Is that somehow actual megachurch pastors are going to hear that goof we just did, <laughs> and they're going to want that now. Well, yeah. <laughs> That's right. About to become the new status symbol. Right. Is how many kind of, you know, guys in dark suits and dark sunglasses you have. Because now, and we've heard this from several large membership churches, pastor finishes a sermon and gets whisked away backstage yep. Yep. where no one can talk to him. Yep. Lee has told the story many times of being at a, at a megachurch. This is in Texas, um, where there was a there were big signs saying "Don't ask pastor for autographs." Um, so right. you, could we say a stupid thing, and we assume that ah, we we've we've joked, we've made it a jest beyond what would exist, a jape, if a, you will, a merry jape indeed. <laughs> and then almost uniformly, when we do that, somebody sends us and says, "Oh yeah, that happened." Yeah. And then we get sad. That's right. Here's the thing I'm looking forward to that I think is an inevitability. My understanding is that if not the top, one of the top um, employers of really super duper elite former special forces people, it's actually the video game industry. Okay. Because, I mean, they make a ton of military inspired games. So they hire a lot of people to kind of be consultants and you know, help them get the details right. I yeah. look forward to mega churches being the number one employer of ex-special forces operatives for security details right. for pastors. Right. That's right. Because you got to have that. Absolutely. The other guy has it, so you got to get it. That kind of thing. Yeah. I now would like the idea of full-on megachurch espionage. Yes. Yeah. Just you got your dead drops and your double right. turns and your honey pots. Right. And they're just stealing trade secrets from each other. That's it. Microfiche just stuck you know, all over large campuses. It's like a little map that you unfold out of. It's like folded up in a real tiny thing yeah. and a whole That's right. deal. Right? Yeah, yeah. But here's what I'm saying, fellas. All that's quite hilarious sure jocular for the little people well sure yes but now this all seems like maybe it's uh maybe there's something to it or they're reasonable 
Because now I'm elite. You're sure. very important. I've, I'm extremely Going to be important. pestered. Yeah, I mean, I, that's right. I have moved up in the world. You didn't get into this job for people to just come up to you and talk to you about their stupid lives. That's right. You've got you important know. thoughts to think. Exactly. I'm, I'm thinking thoughts all. I'm thinking thoughts right now. Wow. I mean, can you believe it? Are they about the Bible? I'm thinking Bible thoughts right now. You don't even wow. know. Dang. So I thought that might be the case. You know, I think what you guys are is a little bit jealous. Oh, I'm totally jealous. You wish that you could have a laser beam that you could shoot off wherever you go. Yes. You know yes. what I mean? That's just, you know, that's because you're not elite. Yes. If you were elite, then it would make sense to you. What I'm going to do is, even though um, you have been my, not just my friend, but one of my closest friends for like, got to do the math here, like 15 years now, I'm going to start calling you only and exclusively pastor. And and in really hushed weird tones. <laughs> okay. Now, Pastor is going to be here, and so it's going to be really great. I mean, it's very busy, but Pastor was able to fit us into his schedule and be here today. Okay. So right. it's really going to be very exciting. Yes, yeah. Th- this is his church. It's weird that you would talk about him appearing in it that way. Well, yeah. to 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 be clear, Pastor is in very <laughs> high demand. You got to have the odd pause before yeah, you yeah. say it. Yeah, that's right. That's right. As if he hears you, as if saying him forward might summon him. <laughs> That's right. Yeah, don't do that. Well, on that basis, I exercise one of my few remaining rights as one of the little people and declare emergency off. Well done, sir. I'll allow it. Thank you. And I will, on our way out, I will share one of my favorite stories about interactions of pastor and the little people. Okay. I'm not going to mention the name because as I mentioned on the uh, previous uh Episode. We we trying to do that, and also because this pastor recently had to resign in disgrace. Yeah, he did. So you know actually. we don't want to we don't want to get that stink on us. But uh, this is many years ago. It was before I worked here, but I've heard the story so many times. I've taken it into my heart and treasured it. <laughs> the guy who used to work for for Glenn, who was a a former uh, Puerto Rican gang member from the north side of Chicago, mm-hmm. he was a giant man, and he in his previous life had uh, been a bit intense. Yeah. He was now intense, but for the Lord. Yes. He was always smiling, very positive. Yeah. Yeah. A lot of people out of addiction, a lot of people out of jail. Really, you know, ran, ran our bridge service, a great dude, no, just a dynamo of energy. And he's at something where a megachurch pastor is going to be the, the, the main dude. And, of course, he's not mixing with the, you know, the plebs. Right. So he's in the back getting ready. And uh, this guy just kind of finds himself in conversation with a middle-aged woman. Mm-hmm. And because this is a, an event about kind of helping people who are in addiction— he assumes she's a recovering drug addict. And he starts to... She did have sort of a maudlin look. Sure, she looked face. like she was not in... Life had not been kind to her. Yeah. She kind of had that look of... Which we, we recognize there are some people who have been in recovery a long time, but they're just... It takes a lot of effort to stay in your recovery. Right. So it's just someone who's been trying real hard not to let their entire world come around. She had that look. Yeah, sort of a detached and trying to mix in, but not quite doing it. Yep, and, so, yeah. so this guy had been trained, who had a good heart and had been trained while well, Glenn zeroed in on that. Thought this is a woman who needs some encouragement. That's right. And he just went right at it. And you know, just yeah. gotta take it one day at a time. You you're doing working, good. You're doing good. You keep working your recovery. I know it seems like you're never gonna see the light at the end of that tunnel, but it's there. You just have to this was Pastor's wife. <laughs> That's right. This is a mega church pastor. You have definitely Yeah, heard this of. is a woman who co founded, technically, what at the time was certainly the largest church in America. Yeah. And uh he just <laughs> 
bore through that. You know, just you got to keep your head up. You did know. not even try to hide the fact of you look like someone who is in drug recovery <laughs> and it's sorry. not going well. Just one day at a time. You got to hang in there. You know, you're doing it. You're doing it. It's great. You know, we're glad to have you here. So if you ever see somebody who you think maybe take themselves a little too much too seriously, just do that. Yeah. Well, they, in, in a certain way, the best part of that story is I was standing right next to him watching that unfold, and I did nothing. You knew to stop exactly it. who she was. That's right. And you were just enjoying. Yeah. Just thought that was awesome. <laughs> well, you know what I think is awesome, Glenn? What's that? Bridge box. Whoa. Sometimes you got to set up your own segue. Yeah. With teamwork, made it go. Yeah. Still in the month of June, still talking about grace. We've got sermons. We've got Bible studies. We've got word studies. We've got all sorts of great songs, one of which you will hear at the end of this show. So lots of great stuff. Number one way people who like this podcast support what we do here in Chicago, missionusa.com slash bridgebox. And maybe you're a discerning consumer. Maybe you like to try before you buy, which is a phrase I just made up. Ah. Um, you can check out our various social medias, facebook.com slash the bridge Chicago on Twitter at the bridge CHI and check out our Tumblr. And, uh, uh, once a week, we're going to, we post songs from the bridge box. We'll post quotes throughout the week. So if you want to find out what it's all about, that's a great way to do it. When you're finally ready to pull the trigger, missionusa.com slash bridge box. All right. We're going to jump to our first question here. Tell us all the way to the end. I'll give you some ways to get in touch with this. First question comes in and says, a pastor was speaking about the gifts of the spirit, about the gifts of knowledge, tongues, and et cetera. All believers, I believe, are to have some of these gifts because I don't see myself having any of those. And Glenn, why don't you start us off with this? Yeah, this is one of those, uh, you know, uh, sort of a Bible nerditorium kind of questions because mm. it, there's a one verse that makes that abundantly clear, but it's kind of tough to translate because there's a Greek thing happening there that we don't have a parallel for in English quite. Um uh, if you look at uh, probably the verse that you're looking at is First uh, Corinthians 12, where uh, Paul is saying um, uh, the way it's translated in English: uh, Do all have the gift of prophecy? Do all have the gift of speaking in tongues? Do all you know all these different gifts? Uh, some translations have that: Do not all have these gifts? Do not all these whatever? Uh, part of the problem is that there's a a, a phrase in in uh, in Greek, that's that comes before each of those things. It's me pantes, right? So a pantes is like the pull out the pan part. That's like pandemic. Uh, 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 what's another pan word? Pantheon. Pantheon. So that's everything, you know. Does it, so in May at the beginning of that is not okay. It's 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 not so, you know. Does do not every does not everyone have this gift right that's the way we'd think to translate that but if you look at that may word that's negating this it means to negate an underlying idea of a statement that's ruling out its hypothetical possibilities that's sort of the dictionary definition of that word what that means is i'm asking you a hypothetical question but i'm telling you the answer to it is no before I, it's a weird thing. We don't have that in English. So he's saying, I'm going to ask you a series of questions here. And the answer to all these questions is no. Does everyone have the gift of tongues? Does everybody have the gift of prophecy? You know. So uh, that, that answer is extremely clear in Greek, but it's not super clear to us in English. If you look at uh, Romans 12, uh, verse 6, uh, this is specifically what Paul says, and this is clear as the light of day in both English and in Greek, we have different gifts according to the grace given to each of us. 
Everybody's got different gifts. Here's, here's how I want you to think of this. There's a lot of, um, it, 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 in the New Testament in particular, there's a lot of lists. Yeah. And a lot of things where um, uh, it's saying, here are the gifts of the Spirit, um, here are the fruits of the Spirit, here are the, the, the fruits of the flesh, here's all these different kinds of lists, and we're, we're listing out different things. When we're talking about gifts, um, that's actually mentioned in 1 Corinthians 12, which I was just talking about, Romans 12, which I was also just talking about, and Ephesians 4 as well. So these are three different areas where he's talking about different gifts, and they're not the exact same list. He's giving out a number of different possibilities. So what does that tell us? It tells us that this isn't a closed list. This isn't the only gifts that there are in the world. And and again, he's saying everyone has different gifts. <coughs> Excuse me. So part of the way that we want to look at that is recognizing that most of these lists that are being given in Scripture are meant to be uh, a, a jumping off point. It meant, it's, it's meaning to open up uh, our thinking, saying stuff in this category. You know, having a gift is meant to be used in this sort of way. Um, uh, it's it's talking about in other uh, parts of Scripture how these gifts are meant to fit together. My my gifts work in concert with other people's gifts, and we're all part of one body, so we, we work together and those kinds of things. So it's getting us to think broader, not it has to be something on this list, if you follow what I'm saying. Uh, I think it's important to recognize that because a lot of people, uh, their gift doesn't have a name that we could give it. You know, it'd be tough to to categorize what that is. Uh, if if uh, we were passing around a a thing on, uh, I think it was on Facebook, uh, of a pastor who stands on a street corner and just waves to everybody yeah, that yeah. goes by, and just how people are actually moved by that. They yes. act, that just. I mean, it wouldn't occur to me, and I'm not that kind of guy. I believe this is actually a thread somebody found and sent us from Reddit. Yeah, right. And it was specifically for atheists and agnostic people. Right. And the consensus from angry Reddit atheists was, I hate Christians, I hate church, I hate pastors. This guy seems nice. Yeah. Right. I mean, that's a heck of a thing. I mean, the power of that's overwhelming. What do you call that? I don't have a name for that. You could probably stretch some biblical word or theological Welcoming or something. something. You know, who knows? Uh, it doesn't need to have a name. He's got a gift that God has given him, and he is doing it, and it is flipping work, and so that's the thing. That's what we want for you. Um, also, just as I'm a parting shot, as I hand this off, more than once on those lists, the gift of charity is mentioned, huh. and that's one you can hook up. Yeah. You, you may feel like you don't have the gift of that because you're just a greedy little person, but probably... You can you can find a way to be charitable either with your time or with your talents or with your treasure, as as the saying goes. You know with the three T's uh, that you can find a way to 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 be charitable to other people and giving and helping and all that kind of stuff. And that is no lesser of a gift than any of these others. I'm always quick to give away my opinion. Is that charity? No, no, nobody oh, wants that. Well, that's, that's why. definitely true. And uh, Jed, you know, going, going took us through a lot of uh, excellent, scholarly, learned uh, Bible facts, and I have a Bible fact. Mm. It's that the the uh, chapter he quotes, Second Corinth, First Corinthians twelve. The thing that comes after it, First Corinthians thirteen. Ooh, I believe as much as I'm being a smart aleck about that, that's actually applicable. 
It really is because of the final verse that links these two things. Yeah. So, and for people who aren't too familiar with the Bible, it is worth pointing out. It's, it's it would seem rudimentary to a lot of us. All like the the verses and the chapters and the little headings, all that, all that was added like a thousand years later. Right. So it is when it was written. It was these little linking bits were just bits to literally meant to link one paragraph to the next. It was meant to be read all the way through. Exactly right. right. So Paul's saying a lot of stuff about uh, um, about gifts and any any. As uh, Glenn is rightly noting, he's he's kind of in a in a rhetorical way, is pointing out everybody doesn't have the same gifts. There's all different kinds of gifts, and you know they all they all have their place. Uh, and he ends with interesting. He says, "But you should probably eagerly desire the greater gifts. That that would probably be good. Oh, th- those are the fancy ones everyone is envious of. Nope. Oh. As a hint of what he may have had in mind, he says, "But now I will show you the most excellent way." Oh. Other translations um, refer to it more in a sense of, I will show you the way that is better than everything else I have just detailed. That's oh. that's the implication of, well, this was good, what we talked about. Right. Now I will talk about something that is much better than this. PhD. This, exactly, it was junior varsity. Right. This is varsity. We're yeah. about to kick it up a serious yeah. notch. Yeah. I will show you, not the slightly excellent way, the most okay. excellent way. This is the big one. This is the big one. Love. Oh, the entire next chapter, First Corinthians thirteen, is probably is it would be in the running for the most famous chapter in Scripture. Um, right. You've heard it at every wedding you've ever been to. It's the part that contains love is patient, love is kind, it is not boastful. That's First Corinthians thirteen. What if I don't have love, Jed? Then you are nothing. Oh, <laughs> boy, I have, I have other really cool things I can do that people are jealous of. Nothing. <laughs> can I just like double down on those? Nothing. <laughs> in fact, Paul. I mean, we're we're semi joking, but Paul literally says. If I possess the gift of prophecy oh. and can fathom all mysteries and all knowledge. And speak with tongues of men and angels. If I can speak with tongues of men and angels, no love, nothing. Yeah. That's that's what it all lands on. What matters is love. That's that's the thing Paul's trying to get our attention to. I'm going to tell you a story. This is a long time ago now, but um, I'm in an insanely bad neighborhood, and it's fairly late at night, and I'm driving a dude I've been doing some work with home. And, of course, my car gets a flat tire. So I pull over to the side of the road, and um, I can't overemphasize what an awful neighborhood we are in. This is, right. this is patently dangerous. Right. And um, I, um, I had a weird upbringing. Um, I, I know the hypothetical of how to change a tire, but I don't really know how to you change a tire. You could certainly pass a test on the theory of changing a tire. Zachariah, it's a different matter to do it. The dude I'm with has the spiritual gift of changing a tire. Aha. Uh-huh. So rather than waiting for me to fumble through it, he just goes, because he recognizes this is a war zone that we're in at night, approaching midnight. I'm going to change the tire now. Then he had the spiritual gift of uh, scaring off a weirdo because we'd been there five minutes, he's full of this, and some dude comes up to who knows what he wanted. It wasn't good. Mm. I may have mentioned incredibly dangerous situation. So there's a dude where, hey, what's what's going on? What's the thing? And uh, my buddy had the spiritual gift of sticking his chest out and saying, it's not like that, push on. Right. Those were the spiritual gifts that we needed in that moment. That's right. Tire changing, right. scaring off weirdos, <laughs> getting back in the car. <laughs> right. Those, you put those together, you have something approaching love. Yeah. 
something that I learned from Glenn that I want to pass on to you is the best thing that a Christian can aspire to is simply being a useful tool in the hands of the Lord. Very few Christians aspire to that. Most Christians want to be impressive. It's a terrible goal. Yeah. It's a terrible goal. Don't try to be impressive. In any field of endeavor, don't try to be impressive. Strive to be a useful tool in the Lord's hands. Sometimes that's going to be changing a tire at night in a bad neighborhood. Sometimes that's going to be moving chairs. Sometimes that's going to be baking brownies for people who lost a loved one. Sometimes that's going to be sitting with someone while they cry. Sometimes that may be preaching a sermon. Right. And that's and that's cool. The goal is be a useful tool in the Lord's hands. If you've got the willingness to go where the Lord wants you and do the things he wants you to do, he'll make sure you've got the gifts you need in order to pull that off. Mm. He, he really will. You'll discover gifts that you never realized that you had, and they'll be the, the right gifts for that situation. But let love drive you. Not what other Christians think is neato, mm-hmm. not a desire to be important. Let love drive you. Love for God and love other people and let him fill in the details along the way. That is all really, really fantastic stuff. We move on to our second question here, which comes in anonymously, and it says, what is worship? I think it's a great question. We answered on the on the blog, but I think it's really worth getting into here because um, we hear that in the, fra- in the context of it is the time at church when we sing, it is the genre of music that is the saddest part of the iTunes store. It is many things, but Jed, if we're looking for a a functional, actual definition of what the Bible means when it says worship, what might that be? Well, if you look it up in the dictionary, to worship is to honor something through a religious rite. Not the religious rite, no. a religious rite. Yes, a religious rite, right spelled R-I-T-E. In other words, we have a ceremony that we do in order to honor a deity or our ancestors or this graven image we've created or whatever the thing is. But we've got something that we want to honor. We have a ceremony that we will do to honor said thing. That is worship. That's the textbook definition of worship. And to be clear, what goes on at, at every church on a Sunday morning is a religious ceremony. It, it is a religious rite. We, we tend not to think about it that way for um, some good reasons, some bad reasons, but, but it's a religious rite. There's no, no different in that sense than, than any other kind of house of worship. But I think it's worth almost immediately, and I, I have a feeling it, it is part of why you're asking about this, to look a bit about what Jesus says about worship and what God actually wants that to look like. So this comes, uh, and it's worth reading all the context around this, but this is John chapter 4 um, from verse 24 in the Message Translation. And Jesus says, and I've abbreviated this, you should go back and read the whole thing. The Father is looking for those who are simply and honestly themselves before him. I want you to think about that for a second. Do you feel, when you're in a worship experience, do you feel like you can truly be yourself? And if not, and again, I'm pretty sure you don't, which is why you're asking this, why not? What is it about that that feels to you like you just can't really be you? Because that thing's in the way, and we, we need to take a look at that. Now, that could be purely aesthetic things, like, man, I just... I don't like this kind of music. It's just, and that, that's just, it's kind of a block for me. That's fine. You're allowed to not like certain kinds of music. That could be a sense of it's early in the morning and I can't focus and I can barely remember my own name and that makes it really hard to feel engaged. That's allowed. Jed, it feels like you have a lot of details from inside the mind of someone who that is their block. Well, you know, I mean, it's, uh, who, who can say? Really getting into the character there. Absolutely right. But I think what it, 
often is, um, and, and I think these two things come up a lot. One is I feel really, really negatively about myself, and I can't imagine that God feels positively about me, and um, I'm just going to kind of stare at my shoelaces and wait for this point to be over. That's where, if you feel that way, that's where a lot of people are. And this is the, the thing, forget about what worship is for a second. God would love to talk to you about that. We would love to talk to you about that. That's the thing that we need to overcome. God loves you. God is not looking down on you. Whatever awful stuff you've been told about yourself, God doesn't agree with it. We don't agree with it. And we need to look at that stuff before we can worry about, are you worshiping in a sufficiently ardent way? We need to, to get that self-loathing and, and that, that self-image stuff out of the way. There's one more possibility, and that is that you're looking at the words on the screen and you're saying, these just do not apply to me. I just, I don't believe the things that, that these words are saying. I can't tell you the number of people, because I do lead worship and write worship music, the number of people that, without me asking, will tell me their thoughts on worship music generally. Nobody likes worship music. Nobody. What I generally get is, oh, it's all awful. Now, there's this one song, and I kind of like, it's okay. But the rest, it's just awful. It's just, it's just terrible. Nobody likes this stuff. It, it is. It's, it's bad. It's, it's really super bad. But we have a culture of silence where no one's speaking up and saying anything. And this causes a problem where you look at these words, and, and the song says, Jesus, you're all I'll ever want, which you know is a lie. Right. That nothing could be farther from the truth. Mm-hmm. I mean, we're just making stuff up. Mm-hmm. That doesn't even make sense. But everybody else is like, yeah, that's, that's my jam right there. That too is a lie. Why are you all lying? Right. But for you, because you're bathing in lies, you sit there going, it must be me. Right. I, I, I am the only naughty monkey yeah. in, in a sea of people who've really got it figured out and squared away. And that's, that's just not true. Um, everybody hates this. Nobody thinks this stuff is right or true or good or line. And no one can with a clean conscience say, Jesus, you'll all I'll ever want. Because that's absurd. The Bible doesn't say that. Right. What we want to work on is this this is the, the acid test is, am I in a place where I can be totally myself before the Lord? That's the thing that we're looking for. Chip away mercilessly at everything that keeps you from that. If that's aesthetic stuff, kill it. If that's scheduling stuff, kill it. If that's self-image stuff, get engaged in the process of looking at that. If that's a church culture that values um, fronting off and pretending to be straight when you're not, get into a different church culture that values authenticity. God, here, here's one closing thought. Um, God created you to worship. That much is true. God created you to be with him in a context of worship. But that's meant to bring you pleasure. That's meant to be something that's wonderful for you, and that can only work when you are able to be yourself. So go hammer and tong at killing everything that stands in the way of you being able to be yourself before God. That is all really, really great stuff, and it is an important point. Jeff brings up the end there that um, worship is not for God to enjoy. Right. Again, as we point out, uh, just fundamental theology is that God does not have needs. Right. So it can't be like, well, this is for God. It's not even right. for you. It's, 
this this delightful aroma in his nostrils and your right. worship is bad and stinky. Right. Um that's a cop out of people who are doing a bad job. Yeah. So uh Glenn O'Trips, you're here because you have founded a worship service. Yeah. Where worship happens. So I think Jed gave us some really great big picture stuff, some great mm. theoretical stuff. Let's let's look at this more from a, a purely practical standpoint of, you know, there's a time which is worship. Mm-hmm. Uh, maybe that's on Sunday morning. Maybe that's at a service. There's also we need we need worship as as Jed is pointing out, kind of in our kind of everyday life as we go through our week. Why? What are we trying to accomplish with that? And how does yeah. that help us understand what it is? Well, as as we're going into this and we're talking about sort of pleasure and and um, and whether or not we take pleasure in worship and is it set up right, I I I will yield a, a couple of minutes of my time here to get the story of the Swiss guy at the bridge. <laughs> We've got to have this story. It totally applies to what we're talking about here. So we, uh, this is uh, fairly recently, um, particularly in the summer, we'll have... So at the, at the bridge every week, we have a host team. Right. So this is a, a church-ish. It could be a youth group. It could be a college group. But it's it's some church-like Bible body. Study, yeah. Exactly, Bible study. And they're going to come. They're going to greet people at the door. And they're going to both provide and serve the meal at the end of the service. And it's a really important job. Oh, I mean, yeah. it, it really matters that that be done well. And... At this point, we've been blessed to have an incredible variety of kinds of host teams, you know, and and people from all over the world, in fact. And particularly during the summers, we actually tend to get a a fair number of international teams that will come through and and, and serve at the bridge, which is a really cool thing. So we have a team that is all the way from Switzerland. Yeah. I'm not going to trade in crude stereotypes. Right. Because those are unwelcome. That would be gauche. That would be gauche, like a Cadillac, but that's neither here nor there. So we have a Swiss team, and um, uh, the 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 vibe of the bridge is, is clearly different than what they're used to. Right. Uh, but they're they're, they're well, that's true of most American host teams as well. To be that, fair, absolutely. But they're 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 working hard to to be engaged, which you know, good on them. So after the service, uh, I'm talking with uh, with a fella, um, and Hallie has explained to me several times how to pronounce his name, which which is a German name. Mm. I cannot pronounce it, so I'm not going to try to. Right. Um, but uh, I'm talking with with my dude. And um, he asks me, uh, he says, the, that first song that we sang, I said, yeah, I said, did you write that song? And I said, yeah, actually I did. I, you know, we do a, a fair amount of original music at the bridge because it's oriented towards the needs of our men and women. And so, yeah, I, I did write that song. There's kind of a pause. And without looking at me and without really any you know, affect of any kind, he says, I think I like it. <laughs> well, and as we postulated afterwards, is there a chance that he he really enjoyed it, but that feeling was so unfamiliar he couldn't identify what it was. This has never happened before. I yep. think this is enjoyment. It's hard to tell of worship music. Yes, I mean, you know, so I think um, along those lines. What we're looking to do, uh, again, we're, we're talking about ideals here, is to uh, realign yourself, reorient yourself. You come in from a week, there's a lot of crazy things going on, lots of ups and downs and ins and outs, and you can get, uh, any of us can get to a place where uh, we're focused on the problems that we have, and our focus gets smaller and smaller and smaller, and we sort of get that uh, obsession going over those little things that are going wrong that we can't seem to fix. And we do have to stop and take a look at the bigger picture. So 
that's the 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 most important element to get right about worship is to see that bigger picture and i think it's uh, i'm saying uh, realignment but it's um the way i think about it is like an an instrument if you have a guitar and you're playing it and playing it and playing it and playing it over time eventually those strings will get out of tune and you have to stop playing it and get back in tune because here's the thing if you're not in tune every single thing you play on the guitar will sound terrible it's not you're playing it's you're out of tune uh so it's it's about stopping and recognizing i can't just keep grinding away in my life i have to stop and reorient myself and realign myself that's about recognizing uh that god is in his heaven and that he loves me as as jed's pointing out that he's got all this under control that he cares about me that that my future is in his hands and i'm not in the hands of the fates of the world and all of that uh so i think all of that puts me in a position where i can receive wisdom uh, that will hopefully happen later on in the in the sermon time i'm i'm re re aligning myself i think part of though what we sometimes get wrong with worship is um i think some pastors feel uh that their congregation isn't showing as much passion and involvement as they would like uh i think they see a lot of fakeness as jed was pointing out and um that that's kind of choking out the life of this so what i need to do is tell you that you need to get on your knees before god and worship his majesty mm. his awesomeness maybe be a little bit afraid and maybe stop being a jerk and maybe if a little that adulation could get thrown pastor's way in the uh, in the crossfire right. there, yeah. That'd be great. If, if you realize that you're a jerk, then you worship God. Right. Maybe you'd volunteer to help us with the VBS. Okay, that's great, but that's not what worship is, you know. Uh, so we're not realigning ourselves to our sin. And there's some pastors in some churches where that's very clearly being confused. Of I need to have an awareness of my sin that's built into the ceremony of this worship time so that I, you know, come to recognize I am a sinner. If you think you're not a sinner, you're in the wrong religion. So yes. that's that's just right out. If your sin is kicking your behind, you you know you're a sinner. You you're because you're dealing with the consequences. So that's that much is going on. I I don't think we need to realign ourselves to the awareness of that. If I'm denying something about the sin in my life, that's because it's overwhelming me. You rubbing my nose in that is going to cause me to be more fake and pretend more and be in more denial. None of that helps. What helps is saying, you, whatever you've done this week, God welcomes you. That's grace. That's the message of the gospel. And by me hearing that, I'm not hiding from those sins anymore because I don't have to. I can mm -hmm. give them up to the Lord. So bringing us back to that truth and, and grounding us in that, uh, that's really the goal of what we want to achieve with worship. Yeah, it's all really great stuff. I, I would take you back on that and say that one of the other misconceptions I, I see a lot out there about worship is it is meant to do a certain amount of emotional work. And once it's done that, it is that it is achieved its its purpose. It is to make you feel feelings, churchy, proper, sweater-wearing feelings, and then that's kind of, it has done its thing. Right. As, as Glenn often, as we often point out the bridge, we, we, 
we sit down and we, we, we've, as we mentioned on the show before, we talk about, analyze to death, every aspect of that service almost every week. And what uh, Glenn and Jed often arrive at is the, what makes the worship's time a success or not is not um, people crying. It is not how much of Rockstar Jed felt like, because mm-hmm. it's a basement yeah, in a very right. bad neighborhood. There's really not a lot of Rockstar there. Yeah, It's not even volume, really. It's, did this do what it needed to do to engage the crowd, to get them in the right headspace, to receive the word? Mm-hmm. This has a functional goal. Yeah. When, like so many things, when something can only be judged on, well, does it just create this very specific kind of brand of feels? That can just kind of snowball forever and ever. And as uh, both Glenn and Jed pointed out, it has a way of making people who aren't particularly prone to getting feels from churchy nonsense um, feel bad and have people who, as we pointed out, the cleaned up version of one of our favorite sayings right here, church people love church stuff. Right. Most church services fairly are run by church people. Right. They decided to do this as their full-time job. <laughs> Pastor really loves singing worship songs. Right. So there can be a little extra mustard on, you know, if you guys just just clapped a little more and just maybe gave it a little more of your all, maybe there'd be more people in this church. I mean, we would all be getting a more full worship experience. What did I say? Numbers don't matter, Matt. Numbers don't matter. But again, I think for me, for me, that's part of helping understand worship is it has a goal beyond a weird ethereal feeling that you're supposed to get. Because I think that's where a lot of people can feel like they just don't connect to it, that they're failing at worship is I'm not, uh, you know, raising my hands and, you know, falling on my knees and all that stuff. We were, uh, I was years and years ago at a, at a Young Life thing, and I'll tell the story very quickly. Um, I forget what the big song of the time was but it was the lyrics were positive it wasn't a bad song it was you know it's kind of the worship song of the day and it was you know it was you know god is loving loves us and that's good and there's a guy bless him he's in college he's a young dude who is on his knees pounding the ground as we sing this and uh, it's one of those moments of you know it, it wasn't this song but for all intents and purposes it was on the the lyrics were on the fra- on the uh, side of Amazing Grace, you know, roughly similar. Um, I don't think you're internalizing the message of the song, friend. <laughs> but what he was doing was what he thought worship was supposed to do, which was ginning up lots of crazy big Jesus feels, and that's just not getting anybody anywhere. So it, it's a lot of times what helps me understand what something is for, especially if it's I didn't grow up in church, so if it's a church thing is what. What are we trying to do with this? What is success? What is failure? And understanding that can really help us understand what's supposed to do and help us get towards that. All right. And jump to our final question here. This one came into our email inbox. And it says, recently, some of my writing has made it quote unquote big online. Nothing huge, but I am attracting some attention. Suddenly, everything I write, say, or do feels like it's under scrutiny. For example, I reviewed a piece and I had lots of positive things to say about it. Two days ago, a group of people approached me and informed me that the designer of the thing I had reviewed is a known abuser and anti-feminist. They requested that I take the review down. So I did. Doesn't matter much to me, and I don't want to offend anyone. But now, some angry white guys are accusing me of censorship and caving to PCSJWs. But now I'm faced with one with some serious damage control. Is it worth taking a stand when it... When I don't have and possibly never will have all the facts, is it better to just disappear off the internet, continue to focus on my local communities where I can have an impact and people actually know me? What do you think? I see the benefit of 
having an openly Christian creator taking a stand for what's right on the internet, but I don't know what is right, and but what if I don't know what's right and just cause more problems? Now, Glenn, there, there's certainly the, the specifics of the thing we get into, but I think as a, you know, as in a more general way, at this point, we all live online right. to some extent. Right. And that has some positives. None of them immediately leave to mind. <laughs> yeah. hey, you know, we, well, we, that's not true. We, we have a lot of awesome interactions with people who read the blogs, listen to the sure, podcast, yeah, read, yeah. read social media. But there's also this aspect of it. Yeah. Which, uh, so we, I think we need to look at this both from the, if people decide to be a jerk at you, and I think there is, everybody basically now has a brand online that they mm. need to kind of actively manage. And what does yeah. it mean to do that well? So where do we start off with that? Well, I think you're right. You you do have to manage that brand. And that means doing a certain amount of due diligence. That means if you stick up for something, you you do the research to see, is this, is am I going to get hit with something crazy on this? We spend a lot of time doing that around here. If we stick yes. up for something, now, we're, we're not going to agree with every word of what someone says and so forth. That's not really the goal. We're looking for stuff that's, you know, outside the bounds of normal. Well, for an easy example, you know, we do uh, interviews with folks on this show from time to time. That can be authors, musicians. And we'll, we've gotten on some lists where PR people will mm-hmm. you know, say, you know, this was like that. And would you like to do that? And there have been a couple which who have I have said, oh, well, we, and done some research. And they interact with this church and these things. Well, it's like, no, yeah, we just we just can't. Yeah. Just can't have them on. That's right. And I so I think that's. Part of of being an influencer, so to speak, is taking that as a responsibility and and taking it seriously and making sure that it's done well. And uh, you will get blindsided with stuff. That's just life. But you know, you you do your best. And and uh, later you can say, I I did my best to look it up. I just didn't found didn't find what you were looking at. Definitely one of those situations where an ounce of prevention is worth a pound of cure. Yeah. For sure. So that's you know that's speaking to the the you know the what do I do um, in terms of moving forward. But here's what I want to go back to is why you took this review down. There's sort of two different possibilities here. Um, you know, uh, you 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 mentioned uh, I t- took it down because I didn't want to offend anyone, uh, and that's a fine reason to to take it down, obviously. Uh, but I think the question is, did you decide within yourself, I don't want to support this, I don't agree with this, I don't want to be seen to be agreeing with this, this is a line that that I don't want to cross, and had I known this, I wouldn't have written this review. If that's the case, that's one thing. If you wrote a review and someone was complaining about that, and you wanted to stop the complaining, and you took it down, and then somebody else complained, and now you're figuring out, well, I was just trying to eliminate complaints here, and I'm looking for the thing that keeps anyone from complaining, then we have an entirely different problem. So let's address those separately. If you're trying to get away from complaints, um, here's the thing I I need to to get you to focus on. (laughs) It's going to be really bad for you. Yeah. There's nothing worse than the dude who's sitting on the fence and um, is trying to placate to all sides and, you know, is, is, is just trying to make himself be popular in that sense and is just sort of a mamby-pamby, I'm not, I'm not really, hey, man, let's all get along kind of thing. A lot of the pastors that we work with have that as a goal 
you know, and that's it's come from a good place. I want to try and hurt as many people into the church as possible. I don't want to take any kind of weird stand that offends anybody. So I'm just going to play it up the middle and get as many people, you know, to get along as I possibly can. It's like can. I have two masters. I will please them both. <laughs> that's right. And it never goes well. It just always ends up terribly because you, you, when you're in the middle, both sides are displeased with you. So that's that's not a way to go. Uh, so if that's the road that you're on, I'd really recommend rethinking that. But I think it's probably a little more likely that you you read that this guy was not a good guy that you put the review up on, and you said, oh, no, if I had known that, I wouldn't have put that up there. Um, so that you made the decision. It wasn't caving to pressure. It wasn't whatever. It's you got an, a piece of information and you made a decision within yourself based on that information. In that case, you don't have two different sides pulling you in two different directions. You have someone who is giving you information that's helping you make a smart decision, and you have other people that are criticizing that decision. Here's what you need to know about that. Is that if you're going to take a stand, take a firm one. Yup. Does not pay to be... Uh, 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 casual about that it does not pay to say I'm taking this stand, but you know I want it all to be mamby pamby. And that goes hand uh, hand in hand with the due diligence part. We're not yes. saying if just decide on whatever random take you're going to take, and then put your foot down and don't budge. Right. Do the due diligence. Right. Then take a stand. That's right. Or don't take a stand, which right. is a viable option. Absolutely right. Uh, you know I now I think you know so part of this is trying to send a message to everybody. I'm not to be pushed around. That's that's an important message to put out into the world. It really is. You know, it, it, in other words, I might say to someone who says, "Oh, you know that guy's an abuser. You you shouldn't be doing that." I I might send a note back saying, "I'm very thankful you pointed that out to me. I did not know that. I'm going to be taking this review down based on that, and I very much appreciate that." Also, I want you to be aware I was not reviewing his personal life. I was reviewing a piece of media here. So let's make sure we understand where those lines go. You know, that I, I want you to understand um, that I don't have omniscience on everything that everybody is up to in the world. And I was not commenting on that. I was not giving my approval to this dude's lifestyle. Um, that's not much of a pushback, but it is letting people know I'm taking this down because I wouldn't have put it up had I known this piece of information. But I think you, you do the same thing to these guys who are calling you PC or whatever else, where you push back and say, I need you to understand, this is what I believe in, and you are not going to shame me for that. You are not going to get me to budge. And if anything, you've convinced me of the veracity of my position here. And the need for me to take a firm stand on some Absolutely position. Right. Please flee to your forums and talk <laughs> about how much I don't like domestic abusers. That's right. Now, see, Matt's leading us to the important point. If people are going to say something bad about you, if that's an inevitable fact of life, if that's part of online interactions, which we know it is, then it's up to you to pick what is the thing that you want people to deeply criticize about you. Yep. Here's what I want people to criticize about me. He really, really cares about poor people. He really cares about redemption and 
He preaches grace everywhere he goes, and that's just what he cares about. And Hardly he ever hear him mention judgment. He doesn't judge anybody. He doesn't talk bad about anybody. He refuses to get them, these people. He refuses to talk hate towards these people. You know what he is. He's a friend of sinners. That's right. That's, that's a bad it. thing to be. Sinners are naughty. That you, you, It's weird, and I know it sounds crazy, and I know... You know, when you're in the conflict, it just feels icky, and you just don't want any part of it. I get all that. Believe me, I've been there. But it's about picking what is the criticism I want people to have and getting yourself in a position where they say that, and they say it a lot because you want that to be said about you. You know, you you want people to go out there and say that. The thing that goes with that is that the more you take on that um, uh, that sort of... Uh, oomph and emphasis behind what you're saying, the less people will try this kind of stuff. Yep. That's the thing is that's for the difference between the way people interact with you online and the way they interact with us online is they wouldn't try that with us because they don't think they could sway us by saying something schmucky online. I mean, we have a, a microscopic amount of that, but it's way less than everybody else. You know, we're uh, this upcoming, um, a bridge service, we're going to have a uh, the question. We always have a topic every week that's submitted by the people that attend the service. The question is about uh, being bisexual. That's going to be what we're going to talk about. I'm going to give you a spoiler alert. The first line of that sermon, and it's the same line I give every single time, online, in public, everywhere in between. First line is always, Jesus loves gay people. I love gay people. And if you don't like it, you can meet me and Jesus in the parking lot. Every time. Here's why. Because I'm making it clear, don't bother. <laughs> There's no yep. possible way with your weird whatever, whatever, you're not going to hypnotize me into thinking that you have a point because, man, do you not have a point. But I am firm and I am set in this thing. And as a Christian, I think that's, that's a good thing to have that sense of, uh, I'm, I, I, I have prayed about this, I've thought about it, I've I've got my ducks in a row on it. I've read my Bible on it. Here's the, the stand I want to take. I mean, it's an excellent point. Another parallel to the bridge service that goes kind of what what Glenn is saying there. Uh, we we occasionally, far less so recently, thankfully, but we, there have been times the bridge where we've had to ask people to leave, yeah, or they could not behave. Maybe, that, maybe that's because they were off their meds. Maybe that's because they weren't sober. Maybe because that was they were just jerk face people. We've had yeah. all of those, and most people take that surprisingly well. Yeah. Um, there are some people, normally the jerk face variety, say, well, you can keep me out of church, I'm going to tell. And Glenn's response to that, which is filtered out of the staff, is always, please, please go into this neighborhood tell everybody. and tell everyone you come across yep. that you came in here and tried to act a fool right. and we booted you out. He will not put up with nonsense in that <laughs> building. Don't even try it. That's Please tell everybody that to every, everyone. Will, yeah. yeah as, as, as we're saying, as, 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 it's a very good, and a very good point of if P- there are some people who are going to talk about you, you can control the narrative a little bit on that. Mm-hmm. So, well, he just thinks that just because some guy has documented cases of domestic abuse, that that's more important than the video game he wrote. So I right. guess if you want to be that kind of person, you can just go right. find that. Right. And John, I think that, that speaks also to this idea of kind of having a brand online, which yep. we live in a, a nightmarish hellscape where we all have to have a brand online. Um, but that does need to be informed, as Glenn's saying there, by kind of what we're doing online. Yep. So I, I wrote an e- I emailed our, our friend back while he's waiting on the to get the on air answer there, and probably said is it is an option, and you can take it for the Lord to say to tell either group. I would hope it would be the second group, but basically, 
it's my site. If you don't like it, you can kick rocks. Yeah, right. Um, and you, you, that's a perfectly reasonable thing. If it's your job, that's probably that's probably not a great customer service answer. Yep. But if this is just your you know your Twitter feed and you put out your your thoughts of it, you can mute, block, tell people to to uh, stick it all you want. But some of this is informed by what are we doing here? Are we trying to be professional? Are we trying to be ourselves? And if we're doing the Christian thing, are we trying to do any kind of ministerial stuff out of this, right? Absolutely right. I think, in a way, you are coming up against something that almost anybody in a creative endeavor comes up against, which is, I think most people get into creative endeavors because they want to have fun. Um, And then at a certain point, they also want it to maybe generate some revenue or some attention. And then there's a sense of, you know, maybe this could do something cool that's kind of spiritual at the same time. Cindy Lauper's follow-up single, Girls Just Want to Generate Revenue, was not (laughs) successful. No. So what we've wound up with is something where it's kind of a combo hobby and job and calling all in one go. And it's impossible to know how to manage that uh, because um, those all point in different directions. We, we need to decide what this thing is. If it's a hobby, then a hobby is about having fun. And your decision should be made based on what is fun for you to do. Um, and it's, if it's a hobby and you say, I would have more fun if I was, whatever time I'm spending on this, if I just went to my local game shop and just hung out with the people there, I'd have way more fun Then kill your Twitter account and go do that. It's great. Uh, you don't owe anybody anything. So go have fun. The goal of a hobby is to have fun. That's the point. If this is a job, whether it's your primary income or secondary income, then the goal is to generate revenue. Um, it's, you know, uh, you know, my family and I need a bit more money and this is a way to, to help with expenses and make ends meet. In which case, the primary thing that this is about is moving units. Um, if you're a recording artist that's, you know, is selling albums or selling singles, if, you know, you're writing reviews, that might be more about page views so that you get advertising traffic and revenue off of that. But, but e- either way, it's about moving units. And so, Obviously, you want to make ethical decisions, um, and and uh, that that is important. But within the realm of what is ethical, you want to do whatever generates the most revenue. That's the point of a job. That's that's why we have one of those. The third category is if this is a ministerial calling, if this is something where the Lord has a, a ministry that He wants you to be engaged in, then it's really about what the mission of that calling is. That's that's the thing that really really matters here, but. I think it sounds a bit like one of the struggles for you, and again, I think for most people in creative endeavors, this is the, the thing they run up against, is they're kind of trying to have it be all those things at once. And that just isn't going to work well. Um, and and, and it, you won't do any of them terribly well. You won't have enough fun for it to be a good hobby. You won't make enough money for it to be a good job. And if nothing else, you'll find it far too frustrating to feel good about the ministry aspects of it. I think you're going to do a lot better if you give yourself permission to pull up for a second and and think through and pray through, what is this? If it's a hobby, let it be a hobby. If it's a job, let it be a job. If it's a ministerial thing, let it be a ministerial thing. Any one of those three could make sense, and it is possible for it to have elements, of certainly, of two, but one of those things has to be primary. I mean, it can be a job that you also enjoy. That's that's cool, but the job... That would even be good. Exactly right. The job part has to be primary for that to work. It can, it can be um, a hobby that also has a ministerial quality to it. That's cool, but again, one of those things has to win out. But 
in order to answer the kind of questions that you're describing in, in your question to us and the kind of questions that are going to inevitably come up in the future, you have to know what it is you're trying to do here and therefore what comes first when you have to make those decisions. I think it's a great point. One thing I'll throw on the end here, which is kind of um, tangentially related, but it's, it ties into a lot of the big picture stuff we're talking about. This is uh, something we, we talk about a lot with pastors we deal with. And I'm going to quote Glenn here, and it's a tricky phrase, so I'm going to do it carefully. <laughs> Nitpickers will always find a nit to pick. That's right. Uh, that's, we're real late in the day here, folks. Kind of proud of myself to pull that one off. But what, the, what that means in the context we use pastors is um, you cannot um, judge how legitimate a complaint is by how often someone is in your office. Right. If anything, that kind of goes the other way. Yeah, yeah. If yeah. Sister Ethel's in your office complaining about the music every week, the music may not be the problem. Right. Sister Ethel might be the problem. Yeah, and she, and she loves griping, and if you keep fixing things, you're only going to frustrate her. Yeah, and if, and if you change it, she's just going to complain about that. That's right. So, 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 so when we deal with, be this online, be this in real life, when you're dealing with... Uh, complaints as as glenn pointed out uh, a bad goal is just get to zero complaints as quickly as possible we uh people are always going to be dissatisfied with things you do one of the things about online is you're opening yourself up to just a larger number of people as we've learned as we've had even if that's post blow we've had more people come on facebook whatever it is if you hit a if a thing online hits a certain number of people and it's a static number it happens every time that's when the jerks start coming in as Glenn's pointed out, we have a lot of amazing people. We are lucky to have that. The number of jerks be way lower than those other stuff, but no matter what it is. We, we at one point posted just a picture with a Bible verse on it, and it did a lot of numbers on Facebook, and there was some white dude in the comments questioning our expository use of nothing but this Bible verse over a picture. <laughs> so that's going to happen. It, w- it would be a bad use of our time, of our sanity, to say, well, what can we do to get Ricky on side? Because Ricky's just poking around Facebook looking for stuff to be unhappy about. So to to apply that to your, we'll use the situation written in as an example. If one person comes to you and says, this person has committed awful crimes, and you have written a glowing review of something he was involved in. That's a, it's easy to see how next time, if the, if you write a review of someone who has not committed domestic abuse, that group of people would not be displeased at that. Someone says, this was up and you took it down and it's because of social justice. Anything you do, they are going to find a way to gripe about. That's right. There's no making them not gripe. So if there are people in your life, in your professional life, in your ministerial life, and just online, your personal life, who cannot be pleased, it is not a good use of your time to try to please them. That's right. That's that's not the road to happiness, as we would say. So again, that some applies online, but it applies in real life too. And it's some of us took the long, hard road to learning that le- that message. So we, we would hope to give that to you and help you out a little bit on it. All right. If you have a question for us, say that podcast at gmail.com, thebridgechicago.tumblr.com. You can also check out facebook.com slash thebridgechicago. You can write some messages there. You can check out some blog posts, some bridge box posts throughout the month. We're going to take out the song that is up at all those places right now. This is based on the quote we talked about at the beginning that uh, of Glenn's that has gotten some traction online. This is from our friends of the Deacon's Division. This is called Just Come Home or Tell That. Thanks for listening. Just remember, we love you. God loves you. There's nothing you can do about it. To say that podcast, I'm too elite to do these outfits. Try to look fresh, but my shoes muddy. My mama's so mad that was her money. Water out your eyes and your nose runny. God realized that you try, honey. That voice in your head saying you a star. Same voice.